Welcome to this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to 2023 and Faster Masters Rowing Radio. And we are kicking off the new year in style, talking about the limits to Masters Rowing. But before then, I'd just like to remind you that my co-host is, of course, Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our audience. It's nice to be back in 2023. Yeah, we've, we we were just saying it's been a while since we spoke, and that's probably a good thing because we've both had a bit of rest and recuperation, or R&R as they call it. But now, past the new year, today in New Zealand's the day we have to take down our Christmas decorations because it's Twelfth Night, which of course is the, uh, um, is that, am I right? This is the uh, Orthodox Christmas Day for Orthodox Church? Yes, I think it's, well, it's four, 14 days after afterwards, yes. That's right. Um, and... Uh, I kind of feel that, you know, the holiday focus has passed and we're ready to start reflecting on the new year. So first up, Marlene, what are the limits to master's rowing? We've talked in the past about how as a generation, our cohort are training more frequently throughout our lives. We're behaving very differently from the age groups that have gone before us. So do you think limits are being challenged right now? Well, to some degree, yes, because even if people are training more and are more active, which which they definitely are, you know, masters rowers still have to pay attention to how their bodies are changing, um, things they need to be careful about from a physical point of view, but at the same time, since they are staying overall stronger and more fit, you know, I think we're, we're seeing a, a class of masters athletes that, that, you know, are quite high performance athletes in, in addition to people who are coming into the sport for the first time as a master. So, you know, within masters rowing, we definitely have, we have a couple different groups of people from a new rower to somebody who may be a very, very experienced lifelong competitor. Um, and they're certainly passing some uh, limits as endurance athletes, for sure. I definitely have seen online discussions where people talk about handicaps. And for those who aren't familiar with how handicaps work, basically, there's a, a range of age grades to which uh, seconds are removed from your time in order to make your time comparable with others so that, you know, if you're older, you're not so strong, you can race against younger people and, and get a comparable time. And there's certainly a very robust discussion around the fact that the older athlete times are too generous and that implies that they win too easily. Well, I know a a couple of years ago, and this is very informal data, but a couple of years ago, I was going through the head of the Charles results. And, and you know, in my house, the, oh, it's always a question is, you know, at what age do people start to slow down? So mm -hmm. I we were going through 
the um, some of the results from the the singles of the head of the Charles, and th this is maybe going back three or four years ago. And you know, looking at the thirty-year-olds and the forty-year-olds and the fifty-year-olds and the sixty-year-olds, and you know, the times for some of the fifty-year-olds that the top groups were actually faster than the 30 year olds in this in this particular year which i thought was i thought was quite interesting and the 50 year olds were very comparable with the 40 year olds so that that could imply a few things that could imply that the 50 year olds simply had more you know more experience because we know mm. as you get older you can maintain your endurance capacity um, so you, we may have in the 50 year old groups, people have been training longer, or perhaps these people have more time because mm. they're more advanced in their careers. When you compare the 30 year old single scholars who perhaps they weren't as experienced in the singles and mm. perhaps they were, they didn't have as much available training time. We don't, we don't know the answer to that, but, but in that one year that I looked at just anecdotally, um, the 50-year-olds were faster than the 30-year-olds were. Which brings us nicely to our sponsor today, which is the survey that Marlene and I run now for the second year called The State of Masters Rowing. And it's online. If you're on our newsletter list, you will get a link to it in the newsletter that will come out next week. Um, here is the form link on the screen, which you can write out. I'll put it in the show notes as well. We would want to find out about you, how you row, where you row, what type of boats you row, and the sort of training you do, the sort of coaching you get, and so that we can get a picture of what master's rowing is like around the world. And the questions are mostly multiple choice. So they should be reasonably quick to answer. But a lot of the questions have the opportunity for you to add, you know, a, a few sentences about your own situation. If you want to add clarification or point out that what happens for you is somewhat different or similar with what you are seeing in the multiple choice ones. We would really appreciate you filling that in this week uh, because we will close the survey shortly. Back to the limits to master's rowing. We can only speculate about physiology and we are very aware that most of us are not extreme physical specimens. There are always people who are outliers to any cohort. What I want to talk about though are the limits in terms of personal challenge. So I was struck the other day that when I was going rowing with um, someone who I don't normally row with, nothing wrong with that, when we set off to do our warm up, they started rowing at half slide and they were not interested in doing a square blade warm up. Now, I habitually start rowing square blades, arms only, and usually will do it for a whole crew, even if it's a crew that includes a beginner, uh, because I think I've mentioned before, we often incorporate a mix of abilities in our crews because I believe it's worthwhile investing time in, in learning and trying to do these things. Don't do it all the time, but that's my general view. And thinking about why did they start at half slide and thinking about why did they not try to row square blades as part of the warm up? 
a couple of things spring to mind, one of which is maybe they don't understand the purpose of that and, and why we would want to do it. But secondly, I thought they wanted to feel safe, secure and in control of the balance of the boat. And I am speculating here. I didn't actually have the conversation to ask. But I then started thinking about other crews that I had rowed with and how frequently we row ourselves into a comfort zone where we don't challenge our technique or our fitness or our general um, watermanship skills. Is this something that you see, Marlene, that typically humans tend to stay in a comfort zone? Well, I, I think I think when when individuals don't get a lot of coaching, it's much easier for them to become accustomed to doing certain motions, certain ways. And unless they're really inquisitive and curious as athletes, they, they'll settle for what they've gotten accustomed to. And, you know, I definitely think that's one reason why having input from coaching is valuable because a, a, a good coach is going to try to develop your skill to but in in a in a way that's important to to be able to meet that challenge because you have to challenge yourself and someone a little bit if you're going to get better at something or learn something and i i do it myself in the single um if if i'm coaching and i see somebody's having a particular problem with something or an issue we're working on and they have an interesting question of how to do it you know the next time I go out in my single, I might work on that and say, well, what if I do this? And what if I do that? And I'm mm. I'm always experimenting every session because, because if I experience that in, in my boat, it's much easier for me then to help somebody else learn it or to understand, you know, try to understand it from their point of view, what, what they're ex experiencing. But, but, you know, it is easy to get into a rut where you just do the same thing over and over again. And I think you, you know, unless you're like a so super dynamic student who are always challenging themselves, you know, you, you have to, you have to encourage people to do this. So what I'm hearing you say is that having a, a playful approach to experimentation it's a little bit like a child learning. They're just kind of, they have no prejudgment. They just go, oh, let's try this. And of course, you know, that leads to that thing. Do you remember your mom saying to you, you know, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Or in my city, <laughs> jumped off the Harbour Bridge. But, uh -huh. you know, the lack of thought actually leads to learning and growth in a child's mind because they go, oh, let's see if I can ride my bike really fast down the street and whether or not I'll get speed wobbles. They don't think about speed wobbles. They're just like, oh, look, I'm getting speed wobbles. You know, I remember yeah, yeah. doing that and falling off and, you know, blood on my knees and oh. Well, and the, and the yeah, I think ab absolutely the, um, the attitude of play and experimentation is, is huge. And, you know, we often talk about that, you know, as, quote, comfort in the boat. And, you know, there are so many things you can actually do in a boat besides just row the rowing stroke, right? There's all kinds of, you know, tricks you can learn to do. And there's some great videos of this stuff, you know, like, like think, think of this thing that you're sitting in a single and the task is 
to undo one orlock, take your oar out, put it on the other side, undo the other orlock, take it out and put it on the other side and switch them in the boat. It's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. There is a technique to do it without falling in. But, you know, these just even simple things like rowing yourself around in a circle with your orlock open. I mean, yes. You know, I mean, there, there's there's you know, there's hundreds of tricks we can think of. Don't worry. Um, but, you know, but just thinking of some of these like fun little acrobatic things like, OK, you know, can you sit at the release and take take your take both hands off the handles and just hold your hand slightly yeah, above the handles like and see how the boat moves. You know, all these, you know, all these little, little experimental things that just help you learn how, le help you learn how the boat moves. And, and you don't have to do like incredibly crazy things, though there are crazy things you can do like the gondola, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, there, there are crazy things you can do, but you don't have to do super crazy things to still, um, play and experiment and see how the balance works and the stability and, you know, how far can you push something before you might fall in? And, you know, if you're going to fall in, do it in shallow water when the water's warm, but you know, these kinds of summer, summer tricks, um, yeah. I think can be really, really valuable to you just like learning to fill the space in your boat, you know, and team boat exercises too. I think one of the challenges for many athletes is that unless you know something's possible, you don't think to try it. And as a consequence, I have been very conscious of the fact that there is a learning pathway that we need to go through. And not everyone wants to, and I accept that. But I also think that particularly for coaches, when they have a group of masters to coach, Unlike youth rowers, there's often a great diversity, not only of skill, but also of age and perhaps I can call it athleticism. You know, you get stiffer and your movements may be more limited as you age or if you've had injuries. And the pathway of skill acquisition is something that I have now developed actually with Marlene. She's checked my work. But the idea here is to is to help a coach know what is the next thing I should be teaching this group or this individual. So it's not just, you know, they should learn to row square blades, but how skillfully do they need to be able to execute that? Do they need to be able to do it at rate? Do they need to be able to do it in a headwind, in a tailwind? Really difficult doing square blades in the tailwind. You know, what is the next mini experimentation, personal challenge that I can bring to a group that keeps it fresh, but also keeps people feeling like there's a pathway that they're going through where they still have good things that they can enjoy learning? Well, if you think of gymnastics, once when one starts learning gymnastics on the floor, for example, or on the uneven bars, you know, they learn simple core skills and, and rowing is the same thing. There are certain core skills that we need to know, but, but you also, you know, you, you can, you know, expand your skills to a, to a great level. So, you know, that definitely is the, the, the insight of the coach to say, well, okay, can we get this person to make this movement a little bit differently, a little bit farther, a little bit longer at, at a little bit higher rate. So, you know, you're grading things 
you're grading things in small steps that are achievable because that's what's going to build confidence and curiosity to go to go the next step. I would certainly concur with that. And if there are any coaches or athletes listening, you've got any views on this, please let us know. Um, would you like to know about a pathway of learning? You know, beginner, intermediate, advanced, just to keep it simple. What should you be able to do if you consider yourself an intermediate athlete? You know, what are the things that you need to, the skills you need to acquire, um, the things you need to have practiced? The, you know, you don't have to be a racing athlete, you know, to be an advanced watermanship rower or sculler. So, what else are the limits? Marlene to master's rowing? Um, I, you know, I think, I know, obviously, if there's actually physical movement limitations, you know, there may be certain things that you're not going to ask an athlete to do, like some, yeah. like standing up in the boat. Some people are really comfortable with this. Some people are never going to do this. Or switching seats in an eight when someone has to crawl along the gunnels. I mean, yeah. You know, some people would do this and then some people would say, there, there's no way I'm doing this. And and that and yeah. that's fine. But you have to understand that what's in the, you know, what is going what is going on in your crew. But, you know, I think I think the the overall goal is really enjoying your rowing, um, whether it's recreational, whether it's competitive and, you know, getting better at things builds builds a lot of self-confidence you know you get a lot of you get a lot of feedback from getting better at something and and it's it's fun to get better at something and and you know in terms of equipment this also can be another area we could say could be a limiting factor um you know i always advise people to buy the best equipment you can afford um you know because when you have equipment that is responsive it's going you know it's going to help you row better um and you know i think i think that's something that sometimes people overlook they said well i don't row that well you know i'm just gonna i'm okay in this old clunker and i'll be just fine but actually if you went say another step up to a slightly different type of boat say the next class of type of boat that would be appropriate for you, you know, you're going to get a lot of feedback hmm. that's going to help you improve your skills. And at the same time, if you row better, the boat's going to move better. So, you know, there, there are limitations in equipment too, that can be, you know, quite challenging enough in, in, in and of itself. So I'm not going to say there are no limits, but I do think a personal challenge if you're looking for a new year's resolution or just something to be thinking about is to think about your own challenges whether you challenge yourself whether you in a group can challenge yourself and how you grade your activity um, as a coach or as an athlete and whether or not you are making progress if you've enjoyed listening to us today if you've learned one new thing from what you've heard please consider joining our amazing podcast supporters go to fastmastersrowing.com forward slash podcast to make a contribution monthly donations start at one dollar a month and we would love to have you with us and for those of you who are podcast supporters we have a little gift coming out to you shortly in the mail it will be with you late january early february 
Till next time, Happy New Year. You're part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast.